Hello, and welcome to Someday We'll All Be Dead, a podcast where we talk about all the things with a social work perspective. I'm your host, Hallie Harris, and I'm a hospice social worker. Today, I have my mother, Melody, with me. Hello. And this episode is a few months coming. I've been working and waiting on trying to get this done. Um, It's going to be about reproductive justice, and it was inspired, and we are going to review as well the W. Kamau Bell episode of United Shades of America called Body Politics. And that first aired on May uh, 19th of this year, 2019. So that was season three of the episode. And uh, just like him, uh, I kind of thought that the whole episode was going to be about abortion and abortion rights, but it actually was much more involved than that. It was. And you just watched it again with me. I did. I liked it. So um, a caveat, of course, is um, this is a show review and my personal views and mom's personal views. Yep. Um, so everybody is, of course, entitled to their own views, but uh, I do feel like these uh, definitely relate to social work values in someone's personal right to choose and autonomy and all of those kind of things. So we'll get into it. So this episode was extremely powerful and it really spoke to me. Um, this show also uh, starts out with the only abortion clinic in Jackson, Mississippi. Well, the only abortion clinic in Mississippi, which is in Jackson. And they have to have clinic escorts because the clients have to park an entire block away and walk all the way down the street and, of course, encounter protesters screaming at them, threatening them. It's horrible. It's not just like the protesters that I've seen in our local area where they just hold signs, but they're actually just yelling terrible things at them and actually physically blocking them. They are. It was awful. And and literally threatening their life. Like, someone could, you don't know when someone's going to come out here and kill you. Like, what the hell? Well, and normally even here, if we have protesters, there's usually law enforcement around. There is none. Yeah, there none is none. Uh, I don't remember if I wrote it down later, but I did appreciate that they kind of thinned out when the cameras were around. Yeah. Like, if, if you're so hard on your convictions, why are you afraid to be, camp- be videotaped? Yeah, why are you running away? So, Kamau states that he thought that uh, the show would really be about the abortion debate, and then he realized after being down in Mississippi for that whole week that it's really about reproductive justice, as we said before. So, reproductive justice is a social movement started by women of color, and it includes reproductive rights, a.k.a. my body, my choice, but it also includes the right to have or not have children, which includes forced sterilization and birth control access, the right to parent your children, the parents parenting the children that you have, the right to control birthing options like at the hospital or home, etc., the right to affordable health care, the right to sex ed, etc. So there's many different things that reproductive justice stands for, and it's really not, and you can't just exclude it to abortion because there's so many other factors as we saw in this episode. Yeah, the main the main thing about uh, reproductive justice is not abortion. Right. That's just a little tiny minority <laughs> part of the whole thing. Exactly. Um, they did mention that the movement did originally and still does include 
trans and non-binary rights as well. So really it's about human rights. It's yeah. not about abortion. So there was an amazing woman named Erin Williams. That was the first lady we saw. Mm -hmm. uh, she's a senior staff attorney uh, at the National Advocates for Pregnant Women. And she fights, quote, against the criminalization of pregnancy, which, as Com W. Kamau Bell says, is just a ridiculous statement to even say. Yes. Uh, but it's true. And I don't think a lot of us hear about these stories on the news. They're not national news. And so if you're not in the local area, you don't happen to know someone that's gone through this, you might not even know that these things happened. They certainly had my jaw dropped when I heard them the first time. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people think it's fake news. It's insane. It's crazy. Um, so the criminalization of pregnancy means that the woman can be held liable if anything happens to the fetus, regardless of what why that is. So not just abortion, but miscarriages and stillbirths. Yeah, they blame the woman. Yeah. And prosecutor. Yeah. And and we actually have recently seen this. I have seen one of two or two of these stories on the news since I saw this episode that was about um, the woman that got shot and she got shot in the stomach. I don't remember where it was. Back, like Chicago maybe? Got shot in the stomach. Her baby died. And she was originally up on charges for murder. Go where? Yeah. Seriously? Seriously. That's crazy. They did, after much public outcry, finally drop the charges. But what they were saying was that she instigated the fight that got someone else to shoot her. So stupid. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So, going back to the episode. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, some of the stories that they talked about. So, there was a mother in Mississippi who was indicted for killing her newborn. Killing her newborn. Because she had a stillbirth at home. Right. She was at home, right? had her baby, and it was already passed. Yeah, and she was indicted for, for killing it. Yeah. Um, because she was poor, because she was a woman of color, she couldn't go to the hospital, and for whatever other reason decided to have a home birth. Complications ensued, she had a stillbirth, and then, to add insult to injury, then they indicted her. I don't know what happened to the end of that, but that's just insane oh, to me. Oh, stupid. A woman in Tennessee was battling cancer for many years. This is... That was unreal. I can't even. Uh, she became pregnant. The hospital, over the objections of her, her family, and her treating OB's objections, got a court order to perform a C-section because, quote, she couldn't be saved and they were going to save the baby. And she was only six months pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. But they were saying, basically, you know, she has cancer, she's going to die, we're going to save this baby. Yeah. The baby died after C-section, after forcing her to have a C-section as she's dying, had the baby and died, it died two hours later, and she died two days later. Yeah. That is insane to me. That's ridiculous. I mean, as if dying from cancer wasn't traumatic enough, you're going to rip somebody's child out. Yeah. That wasn't going to live anyway. Right. So you're traumatizing the fetus anyway. I can't. They should be indicted for committing murder. I agree. The woman, there was a woman in New York. And the, the whole reason to tell more of the stories was to discuss that this doesn't just happen in the South. This is not just a Mississippi Right, all over. Thing. This is all over. A woman in New York, her, uh, the first of, no, the first two children that she had were born by C-section and she wanted to have a natural birth for her third. 
So she was talking to all of her doctors all through the pregnancy. They all agreed that she could have this baby safely. But when she went into labor and went into the hospital, her normal doctors were not there. And those doctors insisted that she have a C-section. They tied her down. Literally tied her down. Cut her open. And then punctured her bladder in the process. Yeah. So not only did they force her to have a C-section against everyone's will, including her caring primary doctors, but then caused her another injury that's probably had lifelong ramifications. Yeah. And could have killed her. Yeah. And the baby. And these stories are in the United States. Now. Yeah, this this is not a third world country we're talking about. And it's not... 50, 60 years ago, which still wouldn't have been acceptable. This is in the 2000s. Yeah. I just, I'm still so baffled by these stories. So, they did talk a little bit about the Constitution, and the lovely lady in the beginning was saying um, that when the 13th Amendment was ratified, enslaved people were added to the Constitution and made to be actual humans with actual rights. But when they were added, that other people, specifically white men in power, mm-hmm. uh, did not lose their rights. Nobody else lost their rights because they had rights given to them. But if fetuses or embryos or fertilized eggs are added to the Constitution as rights as separate individuals, then women, living human beings breathing on this earth, are going to lose rights. Yeah, they'll have no light, light rights at all. And there's just no way to subtract, to not subtract the woman. So, as she mentions, the right to liberty being tied down, the right to privacy being ripped open, the right to due process and free speech and equal protections. None of that will be counted because she won't have any rights. Yeah. It'll all be about this, you know, fetus inside of her that now she's responsible for. I don't see the men being responsible, held responsible for any of this, by the way. Yeah, they're supposed to be half of this equation. Yeah, but no. the, the only people being indicted for anything ever is the woman. The woman. Which they didn't really talk about in the episode, but I just feel the need to bring up. So she also says a quote that says that we don't have any single issue struggles because we're not single issue people. If you want to have healthy babies, this is a quote from her, if you want to have healthy babies... You must take care of the woman. You must make sure she's healthy. You have to look at poverty and generational poverty, I'm adding in. The wage gap, reproductive health care access, and sex ed. Because all of these are connected. And it starts with home and good sex education. Yeah. And at some point you got to break the cycle, you know. Some and people... actually Planned Parenthood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, this was all in the first 10 minutes of the show. Everything we've been talking about is the first 10 minutes of the show. Pretty awesome. Uh, so, Fannie Lou Hamer, she came up in the show. She was an African-American politician and an activist who was given a hysterectomy without her consent. Along with... And six of ten women that were at her hospital in the 60s were given, were have their tubes tied without their consent. Right, they were sterilized after pregnancy. Forced sterilization. Yeah. That's crazy. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah. They spoke to another activist who speaks about human rights. And she was a survivor of many traumas in her own life. She discussed the intersectionality 
with people with disabilities and getting disproportionately bad health care and then add in race and class and geography and you have all kinds of different barriers added to that oppression so I think like usual we forget about the other parts of what's going on so even when we're talking about specifically abortion rights or health care access we forget that how much more difficult it is for not just women in general but women of color and then women with disabilities and then women that are poor you know all these things just layered on top on top on top and eventually it's the last straw yeah it's crazy uh, so they did discuss the sex ed laws, including separating the genders and only being able to discuss abstinence with religion, or they could discuss contraception, but not how to use it. Right. That was funny. Which really, what's the point? And they called that abstinence plus. And then guilt people over masturbation, but that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> But there's absolutely no LGBT education, no discussion of healthy relationships and consent, which nowadays, again, I, I didn't until I saw the show just like come out, didn't think about sex ed, including things like modeling healthy relationships or discussing consent. But for God's sakes, maybe that should be the top priority, even yeah. above abstinence. <laughs> Uh, it also talks about only bad emotions like grief, shame, and guilt. and that, But there is a teen group working to change the law in Mississippi so that they do have uh, better education around sex ed. Well, that's just the thing. Back when I was, I was, we had high school sex ed, and it was divided, the boys mm -hmm. and the girls. There was no combination of the both because, you know, I mean, the guys get a hold of the National Geographic and giggled all the way, you know, because they thought it was a dirty magazine. Well, if you taught both sex education to girls and boys at the same time, you would hear a lot of, well, you might not nowadays, but when I was in school, you would, oh my goodness, I'd hate to think of what would go on. Well, I think that there should be a combination, right? When you first start teaching sex ed and actual physical differences and things like that, there should be a comfortable, safe space where they can both ask questions that only pertain to their sex. Right, right. I agree with that. And then they can come together to be talking about consent what happens with both and, yeah. and consent and healthy relationships for both sides, not right. just for women. And condoms. And condoms. And any kind of safe sex yeah. practices. Well, this is not part of the episode. That's true. No, no, no. This is not part of the episode, but I was listening to a comedian, Rami Youssef, and he was talking about... He always had sex with a condom because as soon as the one time he didn't use a condom, he immediately thought, and now I have a mortgage, and my kids need braces, and they won't wear the retainer. <laughs> and he's just, it's so much responsibility aside from just um, STDs or yeah. anything else. It's like getting pregnant. Yeah, it's huge, huge. Yeah. So <clears throat> there was an amazing interview with a poet named Amanda. And she discussed uh, no real sex ed. She was the one that was towards the end, and she had just the amazing journey of pretty much every aspect of yeah. of this reproductive justice situation. Um, she is a woman of color, and she lives in Mississippi now. So, <coughs> excuse me. She had no real sex ed, and they had that bag of sugar or bag of flour that we all kind of carried around, or an egg that we carried around and called a baby. 
But that was the only sex ed that she got. So she got pregnant when she was fairly young. And for the first time, she heard her partner say, well, what do you want to do about it? And this had never even occurred to her and never even heard of such a thing that there was an option. At this time, she was living in Chicago. And so she did decide that it was not a good idea for her at the time, and she did go through with terminating the pregnancy. She then met someone else a few years later that she thought she loved, and she got pregnant. But she definitely did not want it because of the very toxic relationship. And he did not want it. No, he said, what are you going to do about it? Oh, no. The second one, he said, oh, no, we're not having this baby. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so she got a second abortion. Um, but after that, she got pregnant the third time. And she was like, no, no, I'm going to keep this baby. Like, you know. Well, now, remember, it, it sounds kind of like they were bam, bam, bam. They were not. They were a couple right. of years apart. Right. It was an instant. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so she did keep that baby, but the partner was not good for her. And um, she did finally decide after having that baby that she, and I don't know how long, it doesn't say how long exactly, um, but it probably was a year, that she decided to move back down to Mississippi um, to restart her life. And didn't know at the time until she got down there that she was pregnant again. By the same guy. By the toxic partner. So, when she went to a clinic, she was actually tricked into going to an anti-abortion clinic. I'm sure many of you have heard about these clinics that pose like they are Planned Parenthood or a supportive uh, clinic that wants to give you options, but they're actually run by anti-abortionists. And they're called women's clinics. Yes, women's health clinics, women's clinics, all kind of, like those very similar names. They're to trick you. And as they showed in the episode, it was literally right next door to the actual clinic. Yeah. So once they got her in there, uh, they had a really manipulative person come in, had her get out a picture of her first child, and then said, oh, what if someone kills him? I mean, seriously. That was, I mean, there's been a lot of shocking things I heard in this episode, but... To get someone to not have an abortion, they say, what if someone killed your first child? Yeah. I I don't even know. What do you think about this? I think it's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> and the woman that told her that was also a woman of color. Yeah, an older woman Which of color. Which really surprised me. But it also adds in that factor of, you know, hey, we're going to get someone that you automatically, per your culture, are supposed to respect and, and listen to. associate with, Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, it was so sad. she did end up keeping the baby mostly because they gave her the runaround until it was too late. That's what they do. They have you come back and come back and come back until your pregnancy is too far along for you to get an abortion. Yeah. So then she became depressed and she was withdrawn and she talked about the misconceptions of why women have abortions and that she does and does not regret her her terminations and um, for different reasons but she was currently pregnant uh with her third child third child and her husband also asked her what do you want to do and she felt like that really gave her the power uh back and it's her body and and they had the discussion about it and she is keeping this child so and it's a very different situation she's in a good place she feels supported she's got a good partner and so it's, it's not the same circumstance. And I think her story really 
is the best example of, it's like people don't just, I always hear the excuse that don't use abortion as a birth, birth control. control. That's not what's happening. No. People, as the other lady says later on in the episode, people don't just wake up one day and say, oh, I'm going to go have an abortion. <laughs> Well, they need the education. They need to be able to go and know about birth control. Mm -hmm. They don't know about birth control. They don't know how to use it. They don't know how to get birth control pills. If they don't know how to use a condom. If they don't know how to... That's all sex education. Exactly. That they don't have and don't know. And the same people that are anti-abortion are anti-sex ed, which makes no sense. Yeah. And then also don't want to support these poor women... Like, literally poor, economically poor. Yeah. That can't afford the kids because then they're mooching off the system. Yeah. But you made them have the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, it's like, you may be pregnant and you can't get an abortion, but I'm not raising it. Oh, and also you can't get health care while you're pregnant. Right. <laughs> but you can't have an abortion. All right. Uh, so there are seven states that currently have only one abortion clinic in them. And the statistic is that one in four women has had an abortion, so that chances are pretty good that you know one. I know that Busy Phillips recently came out, that's an actress, and she has her own talk show, and she recently came out and was just like, hey, now you know one. Like, now you have a face. And I think that really helps. That's why I've done a few of these episodes, like the day I bought my teenager son a dress, or the day I bought my son a dress, is because... Once you get to know someone or know the thing that you fear, it's not so scary. And maybe then we can sit down and have conversations about it. So uh, so they also discussed with the clinic manager, the one clinic manager of that uh, abortion clinic in Mississippi. And she says, does a fetus have value? Absolutely. But that woman is the living human being and we never take our eyes off of that. That's what's important. Another amazing lady notes that all things are connected. So she hands out voter registration cards, discusses birth control, and then gets to the counseling. Quote, people in my generation died for this. People in my generation were beaten for this. Unquote. So I think that's really important too, is that these rights weren't just handed to people. This is a long, hard-fought battle, just like all different rights that different people in different communities get. And we have to be careful with those rights. It's not just, it sounds like this is pretty much all women of color. It is not. No. It's about everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Every woman, it doesn't matter what they are, what race, what color. Which it just doesn't matter. It's all of us have fought for these rights mm -hmm. throughout our lives. Exactly. The director of that clinic also discussed and states, how dare people judge these women because they haven't been through the difficulties that they've been to make these choices. Like I said before, they didn't just wake up and say, oh, this sounds like a good time. I mean, they've, they've gone through things and had to make hard decisions. It's not, it's not like it was easy on them to just have this decision. It's also a risk health-wise, you know, even in a safe clinic. So what you're doing by reducing the amount of clinics is increasing the likelihood they're going to have some kind of complication. So, Kamala speaks to a lady who tells her story of when she was 19. This is another great story that has nothing to do with abortion, but absolutely everything to do with reproductive justice. Mm -hmm. At 19, she had very irregular periods, 
and she discussed with her mom, discovered that she had polycystic ovaries. So apparently this affects up to 5 million women in the U.S. And the doctor noted that she needed to be on birth control. Needed to be. This wasn't a choice. To be able to control the cysts. Then later, uh, after a while, and that was working fine until she... Ran out of pills. She ran out of pills and she, I think, had to change jobs or something. For some reason, she didn't have insurance. She didn't have her job, yeah. So when she did not have her insurance, she went to the free clinic when she was almost out of pills, and that doctor checked her out, but then said, oh, sorry, we can't help you with that. You have to go to Planned Parenthood, or whatever the, the clinic there. Yeah, it was Planned Parenthood. Because they don't do that kind of thing. So the only place that she can go to get a prescription for birth control is a Planned Parenthood clinic. And she has to go in there and get screamed at that she's a baby killer, even though she was not even pregnant. Yeah. Which brings me to the lovely pie chart that they put up. So Planned Parenthood, for those of you that don't know, and let's get a good education here, 3% of their work is abortions. 3%. That is nothing. 49% is STD treatment and testing. 27% is contraception, including vasectomies. By the way, including vasectomies. 1% 1% is for support groups like LGBT, 1% is for hormone replacement therapy, and 6% is for cancer screenings for everyone. Cancer screenings have nothing to do with abortion. 6%, that's twice as many as abortion statistics. Yeah. Do you hear what I'm saying? Well, this is the thing. How many percent is the vasectomies? Uh, 27% was contraception and vasectomy. All right, now let's talk about the men for a second. (laughs) Why can't they be harassed for baby killing? If they have a vasectomy, they can no longer produce babies. They have no sperm. They're killing children. (laughs) I am right there with you. (laughs) It's like, look at both sides of it. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, we're going to talk about that. (laughs) Put a pin in that real quick. So, <laughs> this is almost the end of the episode here. So, after three months, she could she would not go back to this clinic because it was devastating for her. It was very traumatic. So, she asked her dad, who was amazing, and he went back and got them for her. But the whole point was, not everybody has someone that can go in there and help them. Not everyone has that kind of support. And poor people and people of color are disproportionately... Uh, not having access to this kind of things and are forced to face this. So just remember, 3% of Planned Parenthood is abortions. That's so minute. Everybody else walking into that clinic is not there for that. Yeah. There could be a myriad of health problems they're facing and they need those clinics. It's the only place they can go. They should not have to be harassed. No. Or made to feel guilty. Yeah, and I think even with people's attitudes nowadays, even if it was Planned Parenthood, even if they did, if they eliminated abortion, there's still going to be people out there protesting that these people are getting help. Yeah. That's the part that makes me mad. Yeah. So they discuss with an advocate who helps people both with abortion and with parenting, and they discuss the community of support in the South. Um, that really was such a cognitive dissonance for the pro-life movement. That's what I think, is because it's it's this very both I want to 
help you and be supportive, but also you don't get to have your rights. It's very complicated. People are complicated. Like they said in the beginning of the ep issue, it's episode. It's never just one single issue. It's layered upon layered upon layered. <coughs> Excuse me. So that is the end of the episode, which is, I'm surprised, only took 28 minutes to That's discuss. amazing. Kind of flew through that, but what were your overall thoughts of the episode? I love the episode. I think everybody should watch it. It's It brings light to a lot of things that people kind of put blinders to. Uh -huh. uh, I think that's a lot of the problem is because people don't want to hear it. I think the younger generation coming up now is going to focus on it more. Uh, as far as um, birth control, uh, sex education, STDs, all of it. I think the younger generation, my generation, is not going to do it. Yeah. You know, I think the younger generation, my generation's passed. We didn't do it then. And you you're know, the baby boomer. And I'm a baby boomer. So, what, And you went through the free sex and love movement. I did. But still, there was no sex education. Yeah. There was no, didn't tell you how to put a condom on, didn't even tell you what a condom was. Right. Uh, birth control pills were kind of unheard of. Well, <laughs> they were, but nobody used them. It's like, whatever. Yeah. You know, so it's, I, I'm glad the younger generation is looking forward and I hope they don't get hung up in the, <clears throat> well, anyway. <laughs> I hope they I hope they want their bodies to be treated like they want them to be treated, not like somebody wants to treat them. Yeah. <coughs> so after this, uh, the rest of this is all just things that were my thoughts that I put together after watching this episode. So first I just want to say I understand how someone could value pro-life. I understand that value. I get the value of life. I don't agree as far as abortion rights go, but I get it. I understand how someone could be that way or, or have those values. What I don't get are the seemingly hypocritical values and honestly the omissions of other values. So when I'm talking about omissions, I'm saying there's no outcry for the concern of the factors that lead to the choices like abortion. And this is as well as what's being considered a fetus or a baby. So this is where we're taking the pin back out. Embryos and fertility clinics can be disposed of in the garbage. Yeah. Or get destroyed because the generator went out. Or even if they're fertile. Yeah. Why aren't those babies? Hello, people. If you're going to have a value of life starts at conception, then fertility clinics should not be an exception. No, because it is conception. When you put the egg the sperm into the egg and it comes to life that is a life yeah so why aren't all these people going after those clinics well and i don't remember where it was i heard it wasn't in this episode but someone was making that point and it was like because it's not in a woman's body yeah what's the woman got to do with it they can raise babies in a test tube now 41 years did Jesus you hear that in the news Christ. it's been 41 years since the first test tube baby Ridiculous. Another omission is the conception that it's due to another sin, like rape or incest. Uh, that whole, this whole movement of you shouldn't even have an abortion even in the face of rape or incest is just 
appalling to me. It is. Why would you have that constant reminder 24-7 a day? I mean, not that the child wouldn't be loved. Yeah. But, but it should be their choice if they think they can handle it. Yeah. I'm not saying all rape survivors should have abortions. I think it should be their freaking choice. True. And they should have a lot of mental health services for that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other thing, but yes. <clears throat> and, you know, if you want to get into adoption challenges, why the hell does it cost so much to adopt a child? Yeah. Why do you have to have a mansion and be in the middle to upper middle class to adopt a child? Yeah. If you're so upset and worried about people having abortions, maybe make adoption a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe there wouldn't be as much of a problem. People might be willing to sacrifice their bodies and go through the whole trauma of pregnancy. Yeah. To know that, you know, lots of people out there want children. They yeah. can't afford their friggin' adoption fees. Yeah. Ugh. All right. Sex education access. Obviously, we've already discussed this. Birth control access. For crying out loud. Birth control access. It doesn't cost that much. It takes nothing. And as we've shown on the episode, birth control is used for a lot more than just stopping birth or getting pregnant. Yeah. A lot of women need birth control to control their ridiculous biology, <laughs> which is like a dragon in their uterus. Yes. Healthcare access, including prenatal healthcare access. Very important. Again, all tied in together. If you're going to force a woman or want them to continue having the baby, maybe you should pay attention to make sure she's got the healthcare access while she's pregnant. So that child doesn't come out with some kind of defect or other thing that they're going to have to support for the rest of the child's life. Yeah. Maybe try to make sure that the host of the fetus is healthy. So we want to call them hosts, but. All right. WIC and welfare support. That's another one. You've now insisted because you have one abortion clinic in your whole state that you want people to have these babies. What are you going to do to support them afterwards? All right. Now, you know, you want them to have a baby. You want this child to be in existence. That means you need to support the programs that support these women yeah. that have no other way to support their child. Yeah. Because guess who's not being held accountable for that, most likely? You. The father. Oh, yeah. If you're lucky, the father's around. If you're also lucky and they're not around, then they've gotten a court order and actually been able to get the money. But that's assuming you could find them. Well, that's assuming that... that you're not talked into him just walking away and leaving you alone. That too. Lots of different factors. And um, there's plenty of great dads out there. There's plenty of dads that do child support and are involved in their children's lives. And I don't want to take away from that. Right. But there are also just as many, I'm sure if not more, women that are raising children on their own because of many different circumstances. And they need to be supported. Yeah. It's not the child's fault. No, it's not the child's fault. And it's really, it's not the mother's fault because if there's no, if she wanted to have an abortion and couldn't, mm -hmm. it's not her fault. She shouldn't have to be solely responsible without medical, without support, without baby food, diapers, housing. Yeah. She shouldn't be forced to live on the street. I'm sure there's a lot of homeless people, women, that have babies. That couldn't get an abortion. Yeah. That are on the street with no support. Yeah. Where are those people now? Yeah. 
that wanted her to not have an abortion. Exactly. And what about DV support? I mean, there are DV supports out there, but they're few and far between. And, you know, domestic violence is a real issue. And there's not enough housing. True. And, you know what? Well, I'm speaking of DV. I know this is a reproductive rights issue, but uh, men get violence upon them as well. True. And there's not very good supports for, for men For either there. one of them. I mean, there's... But there needs to be more supports, including the reproduct- reproductive justice rights for women going through a domestic violence situation. Yeah. It's a whole circle. It's a terrible circle. And lastly, I have on here just another note about the class and race divide. Because you cannot say it's not an issue. It is an issue. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a factor. And in some places, it's a much bigger factor than others. Some states are worse. Some areas within states are worse. And you can't pretend like those aren't factors in all of this. Because they all connect. They're all intersectional. Yeah, people that wear blinders about this need to take them off. Because it's so obvious all around us. (laughs) If you just look. It's a broken cycle. It is a broken cycle. And a lot of people don't want to see it because if they see it, then they might feel they have to get involved. (laughs) And then, oh, God forbid, they have to get involved because they might actually have to help somebody. And I have my own little world (laughs) in life and and I can't be bothered. But yet, you don't go in that clinic and have an abortion. Yeah. Yeah. Grow up, people. <laughs> if if nothing else gets through in this entire episode that I want to get through, it is that there's not just one issue of abortion. Every single thing is connected. And we're never going to break this vicious cycle until we look at everything. You cannot just focus on abortion rights. You cannot just focus on poverty. You cannot just focus on discrimination as a singular issue because it's not nope. that is not what our country is is about and we have these great ideals and I hope in my lifetime I see more progress there's been a lot just in my lifetime in your lifetime you've yeah. seen this we've talked about it before but sometimes it feels like we're back in the 40s sometimes it feels like a backslide mm-hmm. and you know that's gonna happen and it's okay to disagree it's okay to express your opinions. What's not okay is to take away rights that we already have. And what's not okay is to spew hatred and violence on people when they have their own views and lives to live and difficult decisions to make. And you don't even know their story. So stop protesting, for fuck's sake. <laughs> All right? That is the end of this episode. I would absolutely love to hear anybody's thoughts on this. Do you have thoughts on this? I know. Final thoughts? Don't have time for all my thoughts. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at SomedayDeadPC. You can email me at SomedayDeadPC at gmail.com. Any thoughts, I'm happy to hear them. And if you have stories, if you want to talk to me, if you want to have another episode discussing your opposing views, I'm happy to do that too. This is an inclusive podcast. That's the whole point is to be able to have difficult discussions I do have my own views. I'm not going to try to change your views necessarily. I'm not going to let you change mine. But if you want to have an open, honest discussion about it, I'm happy to do that. Because we only have one life to live, you might as well try to make it a world a better place. 
Yeah. Because someday we'll all be dead.